0: Hi, everybody, it's Sally Wagner. Welcome to High Frequency Mindset Podcast. And I'm very pleased to welcome our guest today, Cindy J. Holbrook. Cindy, welcome. Thank you, Sally. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very happy to have you here. Going to introduce you to everyone, and then we'll talk. Cindy J. Holbrook, the visibility whiz, guides entrepreneurs to thrive as they go up the ladder from being the best-kept secret to a trusted expert. Clients benefit from her empowering systems and strategies that enable them to honor their own integrity and attract their ideal clients while building a fun and profitable business. She's been featured on Huffington Post Live, Women's Speaker Association TV, eHarmony, Prevention, and a guest on numerous summits. She is the author of Overcoming Dark Family Secrets, her story of overcoming a traumatic past to become a successful businesswoman. Cindy, again, welcome. Oh, thank
1: you, Sally. As I said before, it's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you having me here to share my story
0: with your community. Absolutely. Thank you. So it, what you say is so true. I work with a lot of real estate agents and, and a common theme we tell them is <clears throat> you're not a secret agent, right? right. <laughs> you you want to be visible. You want to be out there. So what is something that you could share with the audience about how to get that visibility so that they're not the best kept secret anymore?
1: So often where visibility is concerned, and I see this over and over and over again, People play a hide and seek with their visibility. They're going, I want to be seen. Here's my stuff. Look at me. Oh my God, no, I don't want to be seen. Don't look at me no more. Yes. Oh, yeah, I want to be seen. Yes. No, I don't. So whenever they play hide and seek, there's no consistency and people start to get confused. Something else is, is they don't know, they don't know what they want to be known for or what they want to be seen for. If somebody, I had a client once and she was a spiritual holistic coach and she did energy healing. And because nobody was paying attention to her social media posts or anything about that, she started sharing her pictures because she takes amazing pictures of nature. And she was like, Why am I not getting any clients? I'm like, The people that like your pictures are not your ideal clients. So you can be fully visible and get a lot of traction and not have it show up in profits Um, because you need to know who you're speaking to and what you stand for. I had a website back in 2007 that I was getting 20,000 visitors a month to and I was making less than 200 a month on it. Wow. So, And it was because I wasn't clear on my message. And at that time, all I was doing was trying to sell other people's stuff. So it was a mix match of like thousands of products that didn't have one common theme. And um, except for personal development, but then it was just too broad. Mm -hmm. So um, so, being visible in and of itself isn't enough. You need to show up authentically and you need to know what it is you want to be known for. I think everybody should have some sort of tagline that goes with who they are. Because if you meet me at a conference and I say, hey, I'm Cindy J, the Visibility Whiz," you may not remember the Cindy J, but the Visibility Whiz is going to stick with you. Yeah. Uh, and um, so if you Google the visibility whiz, you're going to find me all over the place. Mm-hmm. So this is a part of being seen. I know I want to be seen. Um, if you are looking for visibility, I want you to find me. And that is what's very important is knowing exactly what you want to be found for and knowing exactly who you want to find you. Because yeah. if your target market is single moms of, uh, of toddlers. And you're attracting a whole bunch of senior citizens. You're not going to be getting much work. Uh, I've seen people who like really their target market was stay at home moms. And they were trying to use LinkedIn. LinkedIn's not the best place to find stay at home moms. And so it's all really, there's a lot of connection. What I like to do is help people get what I call outrageous confidence to be authentically who they are and, uh, and to create strategies or to utilize strategies that fit their personality, their beliefs, and their values. Because if you're trying to do something you don't enjoy or it goes against your grain,
0: you're not going to do a good job at it. Right. So, what do you think is the cause for all that mixed messaging? You know, you started out saying people are like, see me, look at me, don't look at me. Um, it, so there's that mixed message. There's, there's that confusion about um, what my message is, who I want to attract, and and why. What, what do you think is the cause of that?
1: Well, first of all, it's like the knowing your exact message. I think that uh, the, the biggest challenge or problem there is simply... A lot of people want to help everybody, and so they're not speaking concise message, and they really need some sort of a coach to help them clarify that message, uh, because that's just a messaging problem. Now, as far as strategies are concerned, which is getting visible and getting in front of your ideal clients, is I have a saying, every strategy will work for the right person at the right time with the right mindset. Mm -hmm. Because when I started coaching um, years ago, my, my first mentor always told me that you can only grow your business as fast as you grow yourself. So, you know, he really was, he was my second coach, but I, I was, I know I was utilizing him the same time I was utilizing Mary Allen. Mary Allen, she's known as America's inner peace coach whenever I found her, she was doing a lot of business coaching. And so I started working with her. And I contributed a lot of my success to how she helped me grow personally. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do, a lot of it had nothing to do with my business. It had to do with overcoming my traumatic past. Yeah. It had and, to over, yeah. So when yeah. you when you have these things in your mind and they can be some some things can be really minimal so then you're like you sort of like sort of like whenever people diet you know they get all geared up yes I'm going to do this I'm going to do this but then all the fears start fit you know with with visibility all the fears start to fit in with the diet it's like you see all the stuff you want to eat right yeah so it's this you can't just go from what the mind knows it has to change you have to change from the inside out and what happens a lot of times with a lot of coaches they'll find themselves working with people that's teaching them lessons because whatever their client says they want is something they're working on themselves it's really interesting how that happens and but as you grow then it's different um as you start dealing with more of your own things that happen sometimes it can be as simple as what somebody says to you now i my book, Overcoming Dark Family Secrets, I started, the first time I started a draft of that was 2014. Um, I'm very glad I didn't release that because I've grown so much and it's a much better book now Mm -hmm. and definitely a book that's going to help other people. And I'm really excited, you know, that it got finished and it's out there now, but about a month before it was released, my sister-in-law, and I I hadn't talked to her in a while, and I go, I finally wrote my book, and it's going to be, you know, and it's going to be published, and she's like, I don't know why you want to share your story. You're really stupid. These were her exact words, and I was like, well, thank you. You know, thanks for sharing your opinion. Yeah. Three, four years ago, her statement would have held me back, and just stuck me like no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be stupid. Uh, when I was, gosh, I wrote my first story that I can remember when I was six years old. I had the chicken pox and I wrote this two-page story. My mom liked this story so much as she put it in her special little brown box with all of her important papers. And then when I was in sixth grade, I wrote, I think it was a 40 or 50 page story. I always forget how big it is. I'll have to go dig it up again. But um, my t- I, my teacher liked it so much, she had me print it and like type it out and print it she put it in the school library we made copies and she sent it to a publisher friend of hers. And the publisher sent me back a letter saying you're a really good writer you're really creative and as long as you don't get discouraged you will reach success. At a very early age. Mm-hmm. Now, this was back, you know, years
0: ago before self publishing well, Let, was let me let experience. me interrupt you here for a minute. Yeah. So I, I think you've a couple times here you've hit on a really important point that it, you know we we can never outperform our perception of ourselves. Right.
1: Exactly. And, 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 and I'm and, getting to that yeah.
0: with this story. Yeah.
1: Because then so, so I had all this positive feedback really early on. Before I got married at 18, I wrote a poem that I was gonna read my first husband during our wedding. And my dad said, I wouldn't read that. I, wouldn't, I would never share anything that I wrote with anybody because you'll be a laughingstock. Mm-hmm. You will be a laughing stock if you ever share your writing. I took that statement as my own. Nobody read anything I wrote for over 40 years after that point. Okay, so this, and it does go with, this was me self-sabotaging myself in a lot of ways. When I left my first husband, I threw away five novels that I had written because nobody was ever gonna read them because I did not wanna be a laughing stock. So that, you know, little things like that can hold you back. And it was really hard for me whenever I started my online business with letting people see my writing. Mm -hmm. And it took me time and it took me, I had to grow to like okay you know there's going to be people who don't like my writing but there are people who like my writing that I'm meant to serve and this is how we self sabotage ourselves one statement from one person can make you hide and it can make you invisible
0: yeah i i think a lot of uh especially business coaches you know discount that aspect of things mm-hmm. you know they think let me just coach on the nuts and bolts of how you build your business and how you grow and, Mm -hmm. and people are just going to go do it. Right. And yet we have those limiting beliefs and decisions that have come to us from childhood experiences. They get reinforced by family and friends and all that kind of stuff that it's going to hold us back in business and in every part of our lives until we heal ourselves from those. I mean, I've
1: actually had clients that i worked with for years. I gave them all the strategies and they were doing all the strategies. And I can't tell you, I have seen this with so many people. They do the strategies, do the strategies. Well, this isn't working. Uh, I need to go find something else. I'm going to follow John. I'm going to follow Mary. I'm going to follow (laughs) Sue. And they, and they work. They work very, very hard at all these strategies. And they're like, why isn't working? Yeah. And they don't want to look inside like we that I think one of the best things ever with psychology is our is the the saboteur our self-sabotaging you know people's like how do we self-sabotage ourselves we're not doing it on purpose it's because it's these things that happen to us these lies that we were led to believe that Mm -hmm. are keeping us stuck and until you look in that direction you can be doing all the right things but if your mind is sitting there going, it's not going to work, 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 it's not going to work. Gonna work. Yeah. You do things unintentionally that makes it not work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, we have, it. I call it mind apps. Like yeah. apps on our phone, but they're in our minds. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, we have those programming things that that all that self-talk you were just saying, you know. it's And the messages that we tell ourselves about ourselves determine our outcome. Mm -hmm. in every aspect of our lives
1: something i have often you know suggest people do is you know we all have phones now so it's so easy set your phone or uh, there's there's a um, an app like insight timer and there's different apps that will just buzz you and whenever it goes off write down exactly what you're thinking at that moment you do this for a week and you're gonna like holy crap i didn't realize yeah. that I was having these thoughts over and over and over again. And oh, yeah. it, it, once you do that, especially if you do it for like up to a week, what, excuse me, what happens is you start really being aware of your your thoughts. Yeah. And sometimes these thoughts are going to pop up and you're going to be like, wow, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. I know I had, I was talking with somebody about four or five years ago and I was going, you know, I'm just bad with money. And as soon as I said that, I thought, why do I say I'm bad with money?
0: Yeah,
1: And then I thought, who has told me I was bad with money? So I've been one person in my entire life that told me I was bad with money. That was my ex-husband. I'm like, why am I letting his belief go into me? you know, and we do that. So whenever you start being aware and you start asking yourself, is this really my voice or is it somebody else's voice? Uh, A lot of the voices in my head are my dad's or my ex-husband's, but Mm -hmm. sometimes there's other voices in there too of something that one of my siblings said to me or a friend or a relative. Uh, In 2013, I went to this conference And my roommate, she told me, oh, Cindy, that sweater makes you look fat and frumpy. You should never wear it in public. You know, no woman wants to hear they look fat and frumpy. So when I went home, I only wore that sweater like while I was in my office alone. And I had some errands to run and it was chilly outside. So I had the sweater on, so I just went and ran my errands. I went to four or five different stores. There was somebody at each store that stopped me and complimented me on how pretty I looked and how pretty the sweater was. And I thought, why am I letting the opinion of one person affect me? And so I went home. I had my husband take a picture of me uh, full length from head to toe wearing the sweater. And I sent it to my email list. This was me being outrageously confident. I was scared to death. So whenever you're outrageously confident doesn't mean that you're doing something that you're just, you know, it means you're doing something bold, unusual, startling for you to do, and it scares the crap out of you. And the more you do that, the more easy it becomes to be authentically you, because you start doing this and you start getting positive remarks. You may get some bad ones and just throw those away. They don't count because the people you're meant to serve are going to embrace you um you may or may not know right this moment like i have very little hair i had COVID extremely bad earlier in the year and it took my hair away so i thank god for wigs i'm very appreciative that i have a wig but i posted like my hair on my real hair on facebook like and it's like i mean it's very thin, I probably lost 95% of my hair. And so, and, and it should grow back, but it's just one of the side effects from COVID. But me posting this and even speaking about it, people's like, "Well, oh, what does that matter? Well, see, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't even wearing the wig makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. My head makes me feel uncomfortable. And whenever you are speaking publicly and you speak about what makes you feel uncomfortable at that moment, then the energy is different between you and the person you're speaking with. Yeah. So letting and the then, elephant out of the bag. <laughs>
0: exactly. And, and that vulnerability that goes back to what you were saying about being authentic,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Next to that, right? Yes. I mean, we can, we can sniff out when somebody's not being authentic mm-hmm. and, and we kind of pull away from that. And yet when we feel that authenticity, man, we want to connect with that, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, And
1: it is so very important with your visibility yeah. and it's to be you and only be, do and share what you're comfortable with sharing, but don't not share because you're afraid to. And right. there is a difference. Uh, Mary Allen. I love Mary. Now, Mary shares anything and everything. I mean, I don't think this woman has a private, she has to have private parts of her <laughs> life, but she shares so much. I mean, she shared this story about how her kids were vomiting, she has twins, how they were vomiting on an airplane. And I'm like, Mary, only you could make, you know, kids vomiting on an airplane interesting. Um, But she tells you everything, you know, she shares videos, her twins are, I think they're, they was born in 2012, they will be 10 this year. So she shares like everything about them. I've watched these kids grow up on Facebook and I know like them very well just from doing that. And even though I know Mary personally and like she was my coach, it's just funny. Watch, you know, she shares everything. Um, And uh, then there's other people. Some people may know these people, may not. Alina Vincent, she's very, very quiet and private about her life. Now, Alina is, that's just who she is. She's a very quiet, private person. So she's being authentic to her and it works for her. You know, 99% of, maybe 99.5% of everything Alina shares is going to be business related. Um, However, Mary's very open with everything. I'm sort of in the middle, you know.
0: Um, And and I think that's the key, right? Mm -hmm. Be who you are. And too, too frequently... We hear coaches and advisors going, well, you got to do it this way. Well, why? That's, that may not be a fit for mm-hmm. who I am. And if I'm doing something that's not a fit and I'm not being authentic, then it's just not going to work.
1: Exactly. When yeah. I first became a coach, like very first became a coach and I, I did a webinar with somebody and this other coach friend of mine told me, oh, Cindy, you should never share any of your personal stories, but that's not me. And people like my stories. They connect to my stories. My husband's tired of my stories. (laughs) You know, in my book, it's sort of cute, Overcoming Dark Family Secrets. Now, I I tell people all the time, everything that's in the book about Amy is Amy approved. Amy's my daughter, but she was one of the editors for my book. So if she didn't want it in there, she would have taken it out. Yeah. My son, on the other hand, he's like, you know, he's like, Brian, I want to share three stories about you. And he's like, which ones? man, that's a story that I hate. Why do you always have to share that? And I'm like, Brian, people don't look at you. They look at how bad your father was. They're not looking at little five-year-old you. And, um, and he's like, he's like, well, if I write a book, can I write anything I want about you? And I go, yes, as long as it's true. And it's your (laughs) perspective. And he's like, okay, (laughs) but I don't share too much about him because I know he doesn't like it. My daughter, she's like me. She just, like you know it is what it is and she she shares a lot on her own blog (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but um but again so now i'm being i'm being honest to who i am but i'm also being you know uh, very um thoughtful of the people that i'm speaking about
0: right Um, and i i think that's an important component i mm -hmm. i think there are a lot of people who you know think oh gosh i have to have to be authentically me and i have to tell everything about everybody and not being mindful and respectful of the other people who may be involved, you know. So I think that's an important component of it.
1: And so whatever you feel comfortable with, you know, how would you share, what would you, basically, what would you share if you was having lunch with somebody that you just met a colleague um, at a conference? So if you and I met together at a conference and we were having lunch, Whatever I would share with you then is what I share online. It's not everything that I'm going to share with my BFF.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, we we want the right kind of visibility for the right reasons, right? Right. (laughs) Exactly. We want to be pornographic about what we're disclosing and sharing with people.
1: (laughs) And also when you do get the haters, as I call them, the haters, the creepy crawlers, the, the trolls, um, and matter of fact, since I've had COVID, and I mean, my COVID history is on Facebook. I mean, if you scrolled through my Facebook post from January on that's like, my husband was posting about me while I was in the hospital. Then when I finally halfway knew who I was, I was in the ICU for three weeks, I started posting. But it was uh, it was just sort of funny, you know that, and I know to me, having the prayers and the loving, healing energy that was sent to me by so many, so much of my Facebook community and by my colleagues, by, you know, I know a lot of people who had their whole churches praying for me. I really believe that's what helped me heal. But it was also like my positive mindset during this process But mm-hmm. I, you know, I shared a lot of my struggles. And again, I have been told this year more than any other time in my life, how from tons of people how they love my authenticity, like sharing my hair or, you know, just everything about COVID because it wasn't a fun experience, but it was my experience. And uh, somebody sent me an email after one, I sent out an email to my list and somebody sent me an email and I read this like 11 o'clock at night and it said, you are the most unauthentic person I know. And I was hurt, like really hurt. It, that's probably the email that really almost brought tears to my eyes. I'm like okay. thinking, everybody's telling me how authentic I am, you know, and she used yeah. that word, which was like worse. It was like this knife, you know, in the heart. And so then I checked to my email provider and she never unsubscribed for my list. And I'm like thinking, why is this? Because I sat there. Should I write her back? Should yeah, I not? Yeah, yeah. Should I, you know, incidentally, so I checked my email list. And I'm like, she did not even unsubscribe from my list. If she hates me so much yeah. that she has to send me this email, tell me how inauthentic I am. Why did she not unsubscribe? So I unsubscribed her. I deleted the email. Yeah. Played, I, play, played some games and went to bed. Yeah. I woke up I, the next morning. And I had two emails from two other people telling me how much they loved my authenticity.
0: Yeah. My theory on that is there are people who are inauthentic themselves. Right. And, and you know, the, the old uh, saying, I guess it's an old saying now, you know, I, I am not uh, how... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, I'm not who
1: is. you think I am. Yeah, I'm mean, you know, everything's yeah. yeah, and I do yeah. I, you know that it's always yeah. a
0: reflection of them, it's not a reflection yeah, exactly. Of and so, people yeah. who are inauthentic suspect other people of inauthenticity because they can't conceive that somebody could be authentic, exactly. So, it's that projection yeah. of their own inauthenticity yeah. onto the other person, and yeah. it's, it's sadly, it's common. I, I hear it, yeah, so it is very common.
1: Yeah. And I use it as a teaching tool. Like yeah, I'm not yeah. bothered by it anymore when I share, cause I share like a lot of my things, but when I first started coaching, I was a divorce coach. Okay. And so I wrote an article that said, um, about should you have a friend with benefits after divorce mm-hmm. and having them post picked up this article and invited me to be on this panel of experts, uh, live. It was one of the first times I was ever on video. So I was terrified of video, this was back in 2012. And, um, and then also I was, you know, I, I was just terrified. I was so nervous uh, for so many different reasons. And I can sort of see, but sort of not see. But then to you know, wh- how, why they advertised this session the way they advertised it. But whenever I first seen it, I went to bed and cried and stayed in bed for three days, literally. Um, they said, certified divorce coach, is Cindy Holbrook, tells all of her clients to find a friend with benefits. And I thought, oh my God, that's not what I said. It's not what I yeah. tell my clients. Yeah. I tell my clients that I believe it's better to have a friend with benefits than to have multiple one night stands. Yeah. Now those two phrases mean very different things. And I thought, of all people, Huffington Post, right? Why did Huffington Post do this to me? I was like, (laughs) I, I went to bed. I cried. I was like... I'm, my coaching business is over. Nobody's never going to hire me again. It was just a horrible experience. But then after three days, I picked myself up. I got a lot of clients from that interview. I also got a whole lot of hate mail, a whole lot of hate mail. And and that experience really taught me how to deal with it all. And I was thinking, even like whenever I got this, an authentic person the other day, I thought, well, my book is just being released. So it's like, hey, I'm going to be getting more hate mail. Well, not everybody believes my story, um, but it, it's all my story and all these horrible things happened to me. My best friend, Liz, she's always tell me, you have an Oprah life. Whenever I first started sharing about my experiences and everything that had happened to me was right when I met Liz. And, um, and she used to always tell me, Man, you should write a book, Cindy, Can you write a book. Oprah's going to have you on her show. I mean, Liz told me that like so many times. And it's because for whatever reason, I opted to have all this crap happen to me. And if it happened to me, anything I can do to lessen other people's pain is what I'm here to do. And I have found in my coaching, even in my visibility coaching, most of my clients, they have something that's holding them back. And it can be as simple as like my dad saying that I would be a laughing stock if I shared my writing. Yeah. And, and even though I had gotten so much praise, that one statement from my dad, I decided to believe it. And, you know, there's this switch in our head when somebody tells us something that, is it whether we believe it, we take it on as our own or we don't. Or sometimes something happens where we just make stuff up or we start believing something and we will fight tooth and nail Yeah, for that, my (laughs) sometime in my life, I decided my nephew was eight years younger than me. So I turned forty-eight in June, and this was a few years back. And his birthday's in August, and he came to my house in July. They go, "Hey Marty, you're going to be the big four-zero next month." No, Aunt Cindy, I'm going to be thirty-nine. Marty, don't lie to me. I know you're lying to me. I know you're trying to pull my leg. You're going to be forty. He's like no, Aunt Cindy, I'm going to be 39. I'm like, Marty, stop lying to me. You know, stop bullshitting me, right? I argued with him for an entire hour. And his kids are even telling me, no, Aunt Cindy, he's going to be 39. And I had convinced myself that he was going to be 40. And like, I would have bet somebody $10 million that he was going to be 40. That's how much I believed it. Finally, he pulls out his driver's license. He goes, Aunt Cindy, look at the year I was born. You tell me how old I'm going to be. And I was like, Holy crap, you're going to be 39. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but it's that true. I thought yeah. and that if I am fighting to the nail, like the person, like how old he is, because I believed that so much, what type of lies do we believe about ourselves, about it our is. businesses, about life that are just
0: as ridiculous as me fighting with him yeah. about how old he was? it's it's because it's not what we don't know that holds us back It's what we do know that's not true
1: that holds us yeah back. and so I always so, like, ask yourself constantly is it true and whose voice is it yeah and and in order for something to be true nothing is true unless you hold it to be true really and truly yeah. unless if something's true it's like every single person on earth is going to say the same exact thing you know it's it's well most people there's a person around our town that goes around saying that the Earth is flat. I didn't know that we still had people believing the Earth was flat. Yeah. Um, but <laughs>
0: so, so I have I have a couple more questions for you. Okay. Uh, the first question is, and I'll preface it with this: in my coaching, I use an acronym MSG, and that stands for mindset, skill set, get off your asset. I think that brings together a lot of really important principles so as you look at your life and your journey and your career all the things that you are following in your life what is an overarching principle that you would look to that you believe has contributed to your success
1: it's facing this stuff that happened to me and it's rewriting The past, you can't change the past, but you can rewrite it. You can change your perspective on it. Um, And I, to me, that's the biggest thing in my business. You know, I have an acronym, you know, uh, VIP It's visibility plus influence equals profits. Mm -hmm. But the visibility is the hardest part. Once you get the visibility down and you stop believing the lies that you've been told or that you've been led to believe your whole life, then you can show up authentically and visibility is nothing unless you're authentic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's visible with a a shade or Mm -hmm. a false light that you're putting out. Yeah. You're being a silhouette.
1: You're being a silhouette out there online. If you're not being authentic and we do not connect with silhouettes, we connect with real life people and we I believe that, especially with the internet, people are really craving real connections with real people. They don't want these yeah. big businesses that hide behind logos and stuff like, who in the heck are they? You know,
0: it's, you don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So last question, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, they can always go to my website,
1: Uh As I said earlier, if you Google, Cindy J. The Visibility Wiz, or Cindy J. Holbrook, you're going to find me. If you just Google my name, you're probably going to find the Harlequin Romance writer, too, and that's not me. <laughs> and uh, if you Google Cindy Holbrook, that's why I add the J, is to differentiate myself from her. Um, I believe everybody should always Google themselves to see what comes up. Yeah, and yeah. Um, then also, you know, I have my book, Overcoming Dark Family Secrets, and you can, um, it's on my website, but also you could just go to overcomingdarkfamilysecrets.com if you want to look and see what it's about and purchase it.
0: Awesome. So everybody make sure you check the show notes. All of that information will be there so that you can reach out to Cindy and get more information and absolutely do check out her book. That's fabulous. Cindy, thank you again for being here today.
1: Thank you, Sally. It's been my pleasure. I hope you have a great day. And thanks to all of your community that's listening
0: and watching us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Make sure you tune in next time for High Frequency Mindset Podcast.